0: Welcome to Bite Size Feedy, part of the history of violence. Hi everyone, uh, this is the first of my five minute Feedy podcasts where I try and provide the shortest possible explanation of an important theory related to violence, hopefully around five minutes long. I'm hoping this will be of interest to everyone, but if you know anyone who's studying history, politics, international relations, or a similar kind of social science subject, it may be worth sharing with them. Uh, In the very first episode of this podcast, The History of Violence, um, I talked about theories of what violence actually is and isn't, so that might be worth checking out. Uh, Today, I'm going to talk about the history of probably the most well-known mainstream international relations theory, realism. This is probably the branch of political theory most closely related to the study of war. Realism, with variants such as classical realism and neorealism or structural realism, focuses on how states gain and exercise power in the international system. The key ideas are states and power. States being the main object for this theory, and power being the motivator and vehicle for behaviour. States are generally considered to be unitary actors, which means that their internal politics doesn't really matter in the international context. This is often called the billiard ball model, because states are just like different coloured, identically shaped balls bouncing around the international system. This is a controversial point, and might seem borderline ridiculous if you're a historian or sociologist. Still, it keeps things pretty simple. Realism can be traced back to Ancient Greece in the writer Thucydides, whose History of the Peloponnesian War contains a passage known as the Melian Dialogue. Without going into all the details, the idea communicated in this dialogue is summed up by the famous quote, the strong do what they can, and the weak suffer what they must. This reflects a sort of amoral, might-makes-right approach to politics, in which power, rather than morality, is the main motivating factor. We can pick the thread back up around 2000 years later with Machiavelli, who identified the idea of raison d'etat or reasons of state, which in modern terms means national interest. This was the idea that different states have different national interests which drive their specific behaviour. This ran against centuries of Christian teaching where war was seen in universalizing spiritual terms. Classical realism's pessimistic opinion of states as being power seekers who advance their own interests rests on an even more pessimistic belief which conceives of individuals as being similarly selfish. People like Thomas Hobbes described how in a society with no governing authority, also known as the state of nature or anarchy, people would be in constant conflict due to their desire for power and self-preservation. For realist international relation theorists, the international system is in just such a state of anarchy, in which no one can enforce laws, and so conflict is a constant factor. All cooperative alliances are temporary, and the desire for power and position underlie everything else. This position is particularly understandable in the time between the decline of papal authority and the rise of the United Nations. So, classical realism rests on three things. Human nature, the nature of states, and the structure of the international system. People want power, states are led by people who also want power, and there's no one to stop them playing dirty to get it. Moreover, this behaviour isn't irrational or bad, it's rational and, to some extent, inevitable. The Cold War was a challenge for realists, as it was a time relatively free of direct great power confrontations. I mean, it wasn't really, you can just look at something like Vietnam, but that's how the story goes. However, new realists developed this idea of bipolarity and balance of power to explain the Cold War. Basically, the joint powers of the US and Russia cancelled each other out. so. Although the international system was anarchic, there was a certain structural distribution of power that might make the world more or less violent. This is why neorealism is sometimes called structural realism. So, let's look at some examples of these concepts. I'll try and give some examples around the idea of national interest, balance of power, and the suicidities trap. Machiavelli's idea of national interest was revolutionary at the time, but it's pretty self-explanatory now. Different states have different interests, and they will compete to further their goals. One good example of this would be the opium war between China and the United Kingdom. The UK was a maritime trading nation, so it had an interest in global free trade. It also had a huge trade deficit with China, because Britain had a huge market for Chinese tea and silks. The UK's preferred method of dealing with this would be free trade, specifically freely trading opium from India for Chinese tea. However, the Chinese were against mass opium trading, for obvious reasons, and also had a general isolationist approach to trade that was common in Asian empires, but anathema to the European powers. So, the UK wanted free trade in opium trading, while China wanted to trade on its own terms. This is clearly an example of two incompatible national interests. The competing interests caused a spiral of aggressive diplomacy and espionage, which eventually led to war, in which the UK imposed its interests and the interests of the colonial powers onto China. Another important concept is the balance of power. This term suggests a stable balance, but actually, that's not the case. For example, the Cold War is often seen as an example of two powers cancelling each other out, but historical reality has often been a more unstable kind of seesawing. States form alliances and take action to either balance against a threat, or bandwagon by joining with this threat. So this is just raw power politics, where countries switch sides to prevent anyone else from gaining the upper hand. A really sharp example of this would be France's actions during the Thirty Year Wars. France was mostly Catholic, and in a war purportedly about religion, it should have sided with the Catholic Habsburgs in Spain and Austria. However, if the Habsburgs had won, then France might have been surrounded on all sides by powerful rivals. Catholic rivals, but rivals nonetheless. So, for this reason, France strategically supported the Protestants in Holland, Germany, and Sweden. This is an example of balancing, but it's also a great example of power politics overriding ideology or perceived morality. Finally, we can discuss a closely related idea of the Sucydides Trap. This is a specific type of great power rivalry. This refers to a tendency for war to break out between a rising power and a declining power, like Athens and Sparta. The Belfer Centre's Thucydides Trap Project has found 16 historical cases where a major rising power has threatened to displace a major ruling power. Twelve of these 16 rivalries ended in war. The Sweden versus Habsburg rivalry was a partial cause of the Thirty Years' War, while the rise of Germany against the UK in part caused World War I. In World War I, we had France and other allied nations attempting to balance Germany, while Austria and the other central powers tried to bandwagon by joining Germany. Or at least, this is one version of the story. However, while the rise of the US in the early 20th century came close to causing a war with the UK, this conflict was actually averted. There's been lots of speculation about the nexus of the destrap, with China's growing power relative to the US being very closely watched. That's likely to be one of the big stories in international relations, and especially in realist political thinking in the next few years. Okay, um, I hope that was useful. Realism is far from the only relevant international relations theory when it comes to studying violence, but it still informs a lot of thinking around war and conflict. Uh, I know I went slightly over, but I'm going to try and keep it shorter next time. Okay, so um, please share if you know anyone who'd be interested, and feel free to let me know anything you'd like me to cover in future. Cheers!